Thank you, Pastor Jade. Our scripture for this morning comes from the book of 2 Kings, chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Now, when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven by a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. But Elisha said, As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they went to Bethel. The company of prophets who were in Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that today the Lord will take your master away from you? And he said, Yes, I know. Keep silent. Elijah said to him, Elisha, stay here, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But he said, As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. The company of prophets who were at Jericho drew near to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that today the Lord will take your master away from you? And he answered, Yes, I know. Keep silent. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. But he said, As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. Fifty men of the company of prophets also went and stood at some distance from them, as they both were standing by the Jordan. Then Elijah took his mantle and rolled it up and struck the water. The water was parted to one side and to the other, and the two of them crossed on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me what I may do for you before I am taken from you. Elisha said, Please let me inherit a double share of your spirit. He responded, You have asked a hard thing, yet if you see me as I am being taken from you, it will be granted you. If not, it will not. As they continued walking and talking, a chariot of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them, and Elijah ascended in a whirlwind into heaven. Elisha kept watching and crying out, Father, Father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. But when he could no longer see him, he grasped his own clothes and tore them in two pieces. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O God. For you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. All of September, our sermon series focused on Elijah. The cast of characters included King Ahab, his wife Jezebel, a widow and her son, and of course, God. Last week, we met Elisha. Elisha was doing whatever he did on a normal day when he dropped his oxen and followed Elijah to become Elijah's disciple. Remember, it was a tremendous honor and opportunity to follow his teacher so closely that he would have the dust from Elijah's feet on his robes. Elisha learned all he could from Elijah's words and actions as a prophet of God, preaching repentance to the people. We move from 1 Kings to 2 Kings today to get the end of that story. 
Elisha does become a fantastic assistant and ends up superseding Elijah in many ways. But this day that we've just read about, at Elijah's command, the Jordan River parts, and together Elijah and Elisha cross it on dry land. The time had come for God to take Elijah to heaven. After they cross the river, Elijah says, Tell me what I may do for you before I am taken away from you. Elijah knows he's leaving, so he asks Elisha what he can do. And Elisha asks for a double share of Elijah's spirit. Elisha wanted to be given twice the power Elijah had. He's at the beginning of his career, but he knows he's destined for great things. He's like Elijah, but with even greater potential. I'm sure most teachers hope for their students to go on to do even greater things than they did. Well, any humble student would say that they could never be half the person that their amazing teacher was. But Elisha knew Elijah's greatness did not come from his own power, but from the power and greatness of God. Elisha knows God can empower his ministry as a prophet as much as Elijah's and even more. So he asks for this double share, and Elijah basically tells him, that's a big ask, that's up to God. So watch, and if you see what's about to happen, that will mean that God has granted this request. And then, as they're still walking and talking, a chariot of fire and horses of fire separated Elijah and Elisha, and a whirlwind took Elijah up into heaven. We heard about how they've kind of collected prophets of God along their journey on this day as they go to the Jordan. And if you were in that company of prophets who were with them that day, you would have felt the fire, the heat on your face. You would have smelled that smoke like a campfire. The whirlwind would have whipped your hair and your robes all around you. The wind was roaring so loud, it would have been hard for you to hear Elisha cry out, Father, Father, as Elijah is carried away. You might have felt afraid or in shock. You might have been worried or maybe really excited about who was going to follow the great Elijah. This was a dramatic feat to witness. It was like a grand finale, like the biggest and brightest fireworks at the end of the 4th of July fireworks show. It's like the most dangerous stunt at the circus or like Santa Claus closing out the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. This is the big moment. A getaway car so fantastic and amazing, it was the most fitting way to wrap up a fantastic and amazing prophet's life. To the very end, God is using Elijah to showcase God's glory. And as amazing as this whirlwind and these chariots of fire were, that was not God's grand finale. God continued to work through Elisha. After the whirlwind, Elisha went on to proclaim clean water for the Israelites where there had been none to make a widow's many jars be filled with oil and even raise a woman's son from the dead. Elisha asks for a double share of Elijah's spirit 
And the Bible pointedly records twice as many miracles as Elijah had done. And many of Elisha's miracles have great similarities to the miracles Jesus himself would later perform. They showed that God cared for the needs of ordinary people. We know that Jesus did many miracles and cared deeply for his people. Jesus was God with sandals on, preaching and teaching and healing. He smelled like mud and manger hay and tasted like salt and wine. He multiplied loaves and fishes and made the finest wine from nothing but water. He told his followers what the kingdom of heaven is like and showed them in his actions what God is like. He transformed people's lives and hearts. And when the time came for Jesus' earthly ministry to end, he prayed that his followers would be one. When the time came that Jesus' earthly ministry would end, he was not rewarded with a whirlwind and chariots of fire. Jesus submitted to death on a cross. But his story does not end there. After three days, God raised Jesus from the dead, reconnected broken bones, breathed fresh air into tired lungs, and restored him to life because the author of life cannot stay dead. Maybe Jesus removed his burial linens and put his sandals back on. Maybe he found some fish and bread to eat. Maybe he just waited patiently for Mary to find him. But after three days, Jesus got up. God raised Jesus from the dead, having freed him from death, because it was impossible for him to be held in its power. In his crucifixion and resurrection, Jesus destroyed the darkness of sin and passed from death to life. He delivers us from slavery to sin and death, refreshes us by the waters of baptism, and feeds us at his table of bread and wine. A new covenant is established. He cleanses our hearts and gives us a new spirit so that his saving grace might be shared with the whole world. His new life gives us new life. And even as amazing as the resurrection was, that was not God's grand finale. After Elijah's ascension, God continues to work through Elijah, Elisha. And after Jesus' ascension, God continues to work through Jesus' early disciples. Elisha asking for a double share of Elijah's spirit reminds me of when Jesus said his disciples would do even greater things than he himself did. In John 14, Jesus says, Very truly I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and in fact will do greater works than these because I am going to the Father. For the disciples to share in Jesus' work is for them to share in the revealing of God to the world. The disciples' works are greater because they are done after Jesus' death and resurrection. They reveal the completed story of the Word made flesh, the fullness of God's love for the world. The disciples' works spring from their love for God and Jesus 
and continue the love that is at the heart of all Jesus' works. This is a community that knows Jesus. They've walked with him. They've learned from him. They abide in him. They pray in his name. And out of that relationship, they share Jesus' love with the world. Relying on the Holy Spirit for guidance, these uneducated men and women lead so many people to Christ. They couldn't keep from speaking about what they had seen and heard. Although Jesus himself was gone, God was present in each one of them, making God's activity in the world more widespread than ever before. In temple courts and and royal palaces, to working-class pagans and to cultured Greek philosophers, the gospel is preached far and wide. Peter and Paul's ministries especially are recorded in the book of Acts and in the epistles. And these disciples did all this without coffee. Imagine how much we could do with the Holy Spirit and coffee. Still today, God continues to act through each and every one of us. God is working through us when we invite friends and neighbors to worship when we build a home with Habitat, when we supply over 200 boxes for Project Agape, whenever we demonstrate patience or kindness or forgiveness or even righteous anger. God isn't done. God is doing more and more and wants us to participate in that work. We are agents through whom God's truth and power can be revealed. Each of us has a ministry that can highlight abundance instead of scarcity. A ministry that can be life-giving instead of death-dealing. Remember that our faith need only be as small as a mustard seed for us to accomplish great things. Like Elisha was Elijah's successor, we are Jesus' successors. Like Elijah and his disciple Elisha, God has graced us with the ability to do even more than Jesus did. Someday, we will all come to the end of our earthly ministries. Elijah's ending happens in a roaring whirlwind and dramatic chariots of fire. Unlike Elijah, we probably won't feel that heat on our face or smell the smoke or hear that roaring wind in our ears. Unlike Elijah, our breath will give out. But our life will not. In an instant, our mortal bodies will take on immortality. What is perishable will become imperishable. The resurrection is not the grand finale, but it does tell us what is final. And that death is not. Death is not final. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Death has lost its sting. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and I am life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, yet shall they live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. I died and behold, I am alive forevermore. I hold the keys to hell and death And because I am alive, you shall live also. 
So even without a whirlwind, even without chariots and horses made of fire, we, at the end of our days, proclaim the glory of God. We live as those who are prepared to die, and when our days here are accomplished, God enables us to die as those who live on. Living or dying, our life is in God, and nothing in life or death, in heaven or hell, or anything in all creation can ever separate us from the love of God that we get to find in Jesus. When we finish our course in faith, and we rest from our labors. We will be brought into the joy of our eternal home. When our breath leaves our bodies, when our work here is done, as we are breathing that very last breath, our lives are proclaiming the God of the resurrection the God of Easter Sunday, the God of the empty tomb, the God who makes all things new. To the very end, God uses us to showcase God's glory. When I think about the end of my own life, I can't think of a better grand finale. Let us pray. God, you are the author of life, and we thank you for the gift of life. We thank you for the ways that our lives overlap and intersect and the ways that we get to spend our lives glorifying you. We pray that we would use every breath from now until our last to share your love with the world. It is in the name of our crucified and resurrected Lord that we pray. Amen.